Welcome back in to Farscast. I'm Farzad Vasugian. Big thanks to you guys for downloading and listening to another edition of Farscast. Hope you guys are having a good week. Hope you guys had a great weekend. Hope all is going well in your world. Hope you're staying safe. Uh, This is going to be a fun show. We're going to have Charles Goldman from the Chiefs Wire and Zach Steginga, who, if you guys have listened to this long enough or if you listen to the Chiefs Zone, you recognize his voice. Uh, they're going to be joining us. So we're going to do a Chief Zone podcast on this episode of Farscast. So here's what I've decided to do because a lot of people have been wanting the Chief Zone podcast and whatnot. I'm obviously still going to be doing Farscast, but here's what I will do. And this is going to be very similar to what Joe Rogan does with his Joe Rogan experience, which he also goes side by side with his JRE MMA show. So basically what we'll do, we'll still do Farce Cast, but some of the Farce Casts will have Chief Zone podcasts on them. So, for instance, this, that's going to be the case with this one as Zach and Charles are going to be joining me. And uh, we'll talk about Kansas City's 11-1 season, plus the big win from the Washington football team led by former Chief Alex Smith. That was a lot of fun to watch. So we'll talk about that with Charles and much more with the Kansas Chiefs. Really good conversation. I will say it's obviously been pre-recorded already, but uh, we actually did it on Facebook Live. So this is the first time I actually tried this with Jared last week, but I was on Facebook jail last week. So unfortunately, that didn't uh, go as as planned, but um, we did do a Facebook Live video, and I will say it's hard to schedule these because I don't know exactly when I'm going to do these at what time, so it is hard to uh, hard to project. So I will say um, they are going to be pretty sudden. Uh, it, it's kind of going to be last note. It's going to be last notice. So got to be on the lookout for that. Definitely be following me on Facebook, facebookcom Vesugian, and that way. You'll be up to date and you'll get a notification anytime I do go live. Uh, but we tried it for the first time. Went pretty well. Had some nice interaction on there. Uh, for a first time, you know, not too bad. Didn't have a lot of interaction. But we'll see how uh, it goes with future guests. If uh, if non-Chiefs related guests come on, uh, you know, are, am I, are we still going to have the same amount of viewers and interaction? I don't know. That's what I'm kind of nervous about the most. So, We'll see how that pans out, uh, but we'll uh, give it a try for a little bit, and if I like how things go, yeah, we'll continue doing uh, our Facebook Lives, because I do upload the guest segments to YouTube. Um, I'm sure some of you guys have noticed that. Um, Not the entire show, just the guest segments. I want to try to put them on Facebook as well, so we're going to give it a shot today with Charles Goldman. He'll be joining us in just a moment if you... Haven't checked out Farscast before? Subscribe to the podcast. Check out some of our older episodes. I think you'll really like what you hear. We've had a lot of different kinds of guests uh, in the, uh, what, now 12 episodes that we've done Farscast. Uh, We've had Danny Boatwright, the winner of Survivor. We had Jason Brown, the head coach from Last Chance U. That was a lot of fun. Uh, Jared McMullen, former YouTuber, uh, or I guess technically still a YouTuber, uh, Hosted a, one of the more popular YouTube shows out there, Friday Night Cranks. He was on uh, most recently. Uh, author Melody McAllister was on. And then I've had some uh, uh, some podcasters, bloggers out there. Zach Seginga, who you're going you're gonna to hear shortly. Uh, DJ Law, Dan Doherty, uh, some of my good buddies out there in the uh, podcast slash blogging world. So check out some of those 
in the archive section on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon, Pandora. We are just about everywhere. So you can find the podcast anywhere uh, where they have podcasts, which is pretty cool. So check that out and feel free to follow me on social media. Like I said, the live videos, in order to get a notification, you have to be following me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Farzan So follow me on there and uh, you'll get a notification anytime I do go live. I do go live for the Chiefs games at halftime and after the game. And I've included Zach on those lately. And uh, we'll, we'll try to keep doing that, see how uh, things go. But uh, nonetheless, uh, we do have uh, all of that going on. And we'll try to do our guest segments as well on Facebook Live and see how that pans out for a couple of episodes. If people like it, we'll keep doing it. If not, then we'll just pre-record them and then upload them to the podcast section. So for those listening to the podcast right now, obviously, uh, we had a couple of comments that we uh, read on the uh, on the broadcast on, uh, on our Facebook Live through Zoom. So uh, be aware that that may be why you hear some of the um, interaction on there. Uh, Going to sound a little different than uh, most uh, guest segments that we are, all of the guest segments that we've done so far on this podcast. So be aware of that when you listen to it. Zach Segna and Charles Goldman of the Chiefs Wire joining me in just a moment. Right. Welcome back into Farscast. Uh, really excited for this episode as uh, we've got a good one for you. We've got a good treat here as Zach is coming back to join me. For those of you guys who joined us for the Facebook Live uh, last night for Sunday Night Football between the Chiefs and Broncos, Zach joined me then and we had a lot of fun doing that at halftime and after the game. And Uh, Also joining us for this podcast, uh, Charles Goldman of the Chiefs Wire. You can go check out his stuff over at thechiefswire.com. They're part of USA Today's uh, Wire Network. They've got so many great things going on with all 32 teams. Uh, In fact, uh, I I remember working with another uh, uh, Wire uh, writer before, so they all do a really great job over through USA Today's Wire department with their NFL teams, and Charles is Kind enough to join us, uh, and Zach, of course, coming back. Gentlemen, good evening. How are you guys? Doing great, man. It's good to be back. I mean, you know, feels like it's been forever since we last spoke. <laughs> Charles, I haven't talked to you in a really, really long time. How have you been, man? Hey, man, I've been great. Thanks for having me on again. I appreciate it so much. It's always, always a pleasure to to join the show. I remember, like, way back when. Well, I was one of the, like the first first guests, I believe, or first like like mo- like multi appearing guests. I don't even know what it was, but it yeah, was some along those lines. Uh, no, you, you're always good to talk to, and you of course do really good stuff over at uh, the Chiefs Wire. Uh, it, it, we'll talk about that. Uh, what you've got going on? Uh, any big stories that maybe people can expect? So we'll get into all of that shortly. But I guess the biggest story tonight, um, not directly Chiefs related, but the big win for uh, the Washington football team, uh, former chief Alex Smith getting it done. Didn't look like it was going to happen early on, but eventually <laughs> Washington got going and Roethlisberger, when he really needed to come through in the end on that fourth down play, I mean, they had the perfect mismatch and they completely missed. And then 
uh, that interception. I mean, just two brutal plays from Roethlisberger there. And Washington simply took advantage and, and won the game, handing them their first loss of the season. I was going to say, if you had told me that, you know, the Steelers were going to have their first loss, great. But would I really believe that if you, you know, look at their the remaining schedule, if you had told me that that loss was going to be the Washington football team, I'd probably laughed at you, if we're being honest here. I mean, could I see them lose to the Bills? Sure, that makes sense. But the, the football team, really? Like, hey, good on them. No, no disrespect, but really didn't see that coming at all. I don't know, man. I, I, I kind of had like a, a sneaking suspicion that this Washington team could kind of sneak up on the, on the Steelers. They've, they've had just like a really decent defense for a while now. And, and this was kind of a nice that D line, especially. Yeah. Oh man. With Chase Young on there and, and Montez Sweat on the other side. Um, obviously they got Kendall Fuller up in the secondary. We're, we're very familiar with him and, and they just got some athletes uh, in that group and, Obviously, Alex Smith has completely transformed that offense. Um, so it's amazing what competency will do. <laughs> right, right. What, just, what's their What's their record since Alex Smith took over? I think they didn't have a, a, a win until I think I think they had maybe one win before he took over. But he, I think he's led them to our last three or four wins. Um, so he, I, I mean, again, it's one of those things where you have a veteran quarterback coming in, taking over when really they'd had nothing for, for a while, you know, just a lot of either, you know, rookies or first year starters, or it it is amazing what that presence can kind of do. They do have some real talent though, that they're building. I mean, honestly, I feel like that was always one of the teams that it seemed like ownership just led to a culture of dysfunction that wouldn't get out of its own way. I mean, having spent a fair bit of time in New York, it reminded me a little bit of the Knicks, if we're being honest here. And that's never a compliment. But they've got some real good pieces there that they could be interesting to watch here moving forward. And plus the comeback player of the year in Alex Smith. I mean, that's kind of official now, isn't it? Yeah, some people certainly think that. And look, you know, I don't know how you – I was having this conversation with a couple people on social media. Uh, how do you measure comeback player of the year? Is it – just simply, you know, whoever's coming back and has the best performance, does the backstory have anything to do with it? Because if you remember Michael Vick, you know what he came back from, obviously not a very good thing, of course, but when he came back, he won comeback player of the year and some were not happy about it. Um, some people were nervous that Adrian Peterson was going to win over Eric Berry uh, in 2015. Uh, and that was right around the time when Peterson, it, it was, discovered that he had uh, been accused of uh, child abuse and people weren't sure, Hey, you know, should we give it to this guy? It's like, you know, Michael Vick has won it before. So I, you know, I hope Alex Smith wins. I will say it is really hard to top Roethlisberger right now because he does lead an 11 and one football team that just suffered a loss for the first time. I hope it's Alex Smith, but uh, I don't know. I I think the voters are going to go with the best backstory in my opinion. I think in this case, they kind of have to. I mean, you look at the injury that he came back from that quite, I mean, honestly, the last quarterback who had something like that also happened to play for the Washington football team, Joe Theismann. Like, he never played again, ever. Uh, I mean, honestly, Alex Smith is kind of lucky he's walking, let alone playing at a high level in the NFL. So I, much as I think that Ben Roethlisberger is certainly a deserving candidate, no way. It's got to be Alex Smith. I think the minute he stepped on that field and – didn't absolutely suck it up. He blocked that one in, but we'll see if I'm right.
And remember, I mean, Alex is still kind of in playoff contention here with, with the football team. I mean, they're, they're in a manner of speaking, I guess. Yeah. They're, I mean, they're tied. Technically, you're right. Yeah. They're, they're tied for the lead for, for the NFC East is as pitiful as the, the division is. But I, I mean, if they end up getting to the playoffs and rattle off a win or two, I think that kind of changes the narrative around maybe totally. that division. Well, you know, it's funny. Uh, I was actually just looking at the um, schedule for the, uh, for the, I, I keep buying say Redskins for the Washington, Washington football team. Um, so as a starter, uh, uh, when they've had Alex Smith, they're now three and two. So they won two games before Alex Smith, uh, but with two different quarterbacks. Uh, yeah, Haskins won in week one, and then uh, Kyle Allen Kyle in week Allen. seven. By the way, here's the funny part. Um, the the Washington football team started the season one and five, and they have a chance at making the playoffs. Alex Smith, this is not going to be his first time being on a team that started one and five and made the playoffs. As you remember, of course, 2015, the Chiefs did start one and five. Um, and it was the same order, too. They won the first game and then lost the next five. So, uh Kind of funny how that all uh, pans out uh, with uh, with Alex Smith wherever he goes. By the way, we are doing this on Facebook. This is our this is the first time we are doing the podcast uh, on a live stream on Facebook. Still not sure if we're going to do this moving moving forward. We'll see how it goes, but we'll definitely do some of the guest segments on uh, Facebook Live uh, on my Facebook page. So we'll uh, read some of your guys' comments live on here. I see some of you guys are watching. Some of you guys are already commenting. So we'll read a couple of your comments in a moment. Uh, and, and we'll see how this goes. So definitely appreciate you guys joining us live here on uh, my Facebook page. Uh, Charles, I do want to go to you for a moment because this Chiefs season has been very interesting with the fact that, you know, this is a team that, you know, they're reigning Super Bowl champions. First time in 50 years they've been able to say that. And they've got a target on their back. And I think as Chiefs fans, we kind of forget what this is all about. You know, sure, you've got a great football team. Uh, but things are not going to be pretty as they go on. Uh, you know, look up any Super Bowl team. Uh, they've had struggles along the way uh, before winning the Super Bowl. And, and the Chiefs have had theirs for sure this year. Uh, certainly had some last night. No, 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 no doubt about that. But um, at the end of the day, a win is a win. Uh, and I'm saying that because so many people are uh, talking more about the struggles and the ugly win. And I feel like it's kind of forgotten that we clinched a playoff spot last night. Um, do you kind of get that narrative right now from, from Chiefs fans? Yeah, it, it just feels a little bit like nitpicking. And, and you get a lot of blanket statements like, oh, yeah, the, the offense is no good or oh, the defense is no good. But r- really, I mean, when you look at like the grand scheme of things, like with the defense, people are, are concerned about the lack of sacks. They've had one sack in the last eight games or something crazy like that. Just not a great stretch in terms of, of sack production. But when you're holding teams under 20 points, I mean, does it, does it matter that you're not getting sacks? It's things like that where, where it feels a little nitpicky. Um, And and then, you know, I mean, the the offense, the offensive line allowed one sack on Mahomes, and and people are really, you know, concerned about the interior offensive line about um, the run game. Yeah. It's, it, it, to me, it seems a little nitpicky. It seems like we're forgetting the fact that this team is an 11-1 team. They're already they're the first team to clinch a playoff berth, and I mean they can they can clinch. Saints the AFC. got us by that much, right? Well, first AFC team to to, <laughs> to, 
<laughs> clinch a party I should say. I should say. Thanks for the correction. I that, that I just knew the comments were gonna blow up if we didn't, so right, had right. to get it. Sorry. So uh and um no, so it's just um it, it's interesting to me because you, you don't really see that a lot with with every winning team, I feel like. I, I feel like we've just gotten kind of used to it, you know, uh, and, and winning through adversity because it's not like that those end of the end of last season and the playoffs, those weren't easy games, you know, those kind of took your lungs. So yeah. um, I, I'm feeling like, it, you know, maybe, maybe we're tired of it a little bit. Yeah, sure. Everyone wants to, a dominant 45 to nothing blowout every week, but it just doesn't happen in the NFL. I mean, there's, there's such parity in the league. Um, you know, the difference between a win and a loss is just so, so small um, for, for these teams. And um, I mean, you hear coach talk about it a lot and, uh, and, and the players know it too. Um, but, but I feel like sometimes the fans just need to take a step back and, and kind of look at it from a bigger, broader lens. Oh, go ahead, Zach. No, you're good. I was just going to say, I mean, I couldn't agree more on the nitpicky piece of this because ultimately we still won, guys. Like the, the ultimate thing that matters here is 10 and 1. It's all. It's all that matters. Well, th- this is the other thing, too. It's like, you know, winning 11 football games and having one loss going into the month of December. And, and keep in mind, this is, you know, the craziest time of the year. You know, everyone's looking at the playoff picture right now. Look at teams like we just talked about Washington. We talked we talked about the the Giants a little bit, uh, the Raiders, the Ravens. You know, all these teams here. Uh, I mean, they, we're going to be playing with the Dolphins soon. We're going to be playing with the Saints soon, and the Saints are fighting for a one seed. The Dolphins are fighting for a playoff spot. So these are teams that are in must win situations, just like us, because now we find ourselves in kind of a crazy spot with the Pittsburgh Steelers, where. Hey, look, you lose one game, you might be losing that number one seed essentially, which is a lot more valuable this year because that's the only seed that's going to have the uh, the bye week. And I, I don't think we're going to go to a, an eight-team playoff format for each conference. I don't think that happens this year. The NFL is finding ways to work things around it, whether we like it or not. Um, they're finding ways to deal with it. Uh, here's my thing. Uh, you look at the whole – because we were talking about nitpicking and all uh, a moment ago – the Chiefs have won 20 of their last 21 games, if you include the playoffs. I mean, that's a pretty remarkable number right there. 20 of 21. I don't know in a 21-game stretch how many teams have won 20 in NFL history. I am, I'm sure there's a way to find that out somehow. But I'm going to guess there are very few teams who've done that. And I saw this from Pro Football Focus. They tweeted this out. The last time Patrick Mahomes lost a football game by more than eight points was in 2016 when he was a member of the Texas Tech Red Raiders. So you talk about how competitive this football team is. Forget about wins and losses. Like, don't get me wrong. Those are important too, but they are the most competitive football team in the NFL. It's not even a a contest. Yeah, that's a fair point too. I mean, the other part that I think is getting overlooked, don't get me wrong. I have plenty of bones to pick with the defense, namely the rushing defense. That was far from ideal, but – as I was just kind of digging in, you know, looking at some of the stats here, as far as points are concerned, the Chiefs defense is still sixth in the league, which is nuts. Uh, but, I mean, that ain't all bad. You got the second best offense in terms of points and the sixth best defense. That's a pretty good combo. Uh, and all of a sudden, of course, the record sure shows that. But I was honestly amazed. Like, that stat really surprised me when I pulled it up. Just 
And I think it comes down to the fact that, you know, we're second in the league in, in, as far as interceptions are concerned on the defensive side of the ball. Like that's not a bad place to be if you're the Chiefs. And again, you know, coming back to, to the sacks, what I was talking about earlier, you know, we're, we're struggling to get sacks, but we're right up there in the top five in the league in pressures. So you're getting after the quarterback and you're forcing interceptions, forcing turnovers. So uh, again, with the nitpickiness, you got to kind of (laughs) look, got to kind of look beneath the surface there and find, find some of these different things that are, that are helping this team win games. But I I mean, the consistency is incredible. I would Andy Reid and, and the front office, entire coaching staff, uh, what Clark Hunt has done for this franchise, uh, bringing this consistency here. I mean, just, uh, you can't say enough about it. Uh, I mean, I, I've been a fan of this team my whole life since I was wearing diapers and, uh, I watched some pitiful, pitiful performances in my life by this football team and to see the transformation, uh, under Andy Reid um, and, and what they've done since, since 2013, it's just been, uh, incredible. Nothing short of incredible. I mean, they've never been below 500. One last thing I, I, to wrap up this whole discussion here, keep one thing in mind. Uh, when the Patriots almost went 19 and 0, they had some, some struggles along the way. I mean, they had some really close calls, probably games that, you know, should they, that shouldn't have been so close. And I know a lot of times if you ask players, you know, you know, how is that close? That shouldn't have been close. They'll say, Hey, you, you know, you shouldn't say that it shouldn't have been close. Cause this is the NFL. Anyone can win at any time and wins are never easy. The last thing I'll say on this, look at 2012 when we were the worst team in the NFL, when we played the Ravens, we held them to nine points. We lost that game nine to six. Uh, that was a game uh, for reference. Uh, when Matt Castle got injured, some fans were cheering and there was all this controversy where they cheering the injury because they wanted him out, or were they cheering the first sound of Jamal Charles? That's the game I'm referring to, but neither here nor there. The point I'm trying to make is... When Eric Winston uh, made a name for himself? That yeah, one. yeah, Eric Winston definitely made a name <laughs> the for only himself. only reason I remember that name, to be um, honest. <laughs> uh, that, uh, in that game, uh, the Chiefs held the Ravens to nine points. That was the fewest they scored that year against the worst team in the NFL, and they eventually won the Super Bowl. So look... Uh, you can go through all of the 53 uh, or 54, excuse me, Super Bowl champions that we've had. All 54 of them have had at least a couple of problems uh, over the years. I mean, look at the Chiefs uh, in both of their Super Bowl winning years. Uh, getting to both of them weren't easy. Uh, Super Bowl four, Len Dawson missed a couple of games due to an injury. Uh, Patrick Mahomes missed a couple of games due to an injury. And there was this concern, you know, uh, were the Chiefs going to make it? So, just, just, just relax a little bit. You're 11 and one. You've won 20 of your last 21. Uh, I did want to read a, a comment on here. A couple of people asking about whether the Chiefs are a number one seed now that the Steelers lost. So uh, they are, they not, are not, not. Yeah, not yet. And a lot of people will say, "Well, is this irrelevant to even celebrate?" Not necessarily. So the way it works is because the Steelers lost to an NFC team, they still own that number one seed. So in a way, you could say that you know, you could say somewhat irrelevant, but not completely because if the Steelers do lose another game, and I think they only have AFC opponents the rest of the way, that gives the Chiefs a one-game lead. And if I'm not mistaken, the Chiefs actually have that cushion where they could lose to either the Saints or the Falcons and still own the number one seed. But again, that's if the uh, 
the Steelers lose to another team in the AFC, but you don't know that for sure. So uh, if you do want that number one seed, you're still going to need either uh, the Colts, uh, the Dolphins, or the Bills, I believe, is who they have left. I I, I can't remember their So they've got exactly. the Bills, the Colts, and then both Ohio teams. I just looked it up. Oh, okay. So forget <laughs> the Dolphins then. Ignore me there. So, so look, I mean, realistically, three out of four of those games are going to be tough ones. No disrespect yeah. to the Bengals, but that's that one's probably an easy one. But honestly, if you were to look at the end of our schedule, you'd have said the Broncos game was supposed to be the easy one too. And to your point earlier, Charles – this is the NFL. The parody is such that there are no easy games. Any given Sunday is absolutely a thing. It wasn't just a great movie. So, I mean, honestly, I think that I wouldn't be shocked to see the Steelers. I mean, I'd mentioned the Bills earlier, but honestly, with the way that the Browns came after it yesterday, wouldn't shock me to see that one uh, end up being in the lost column as well. And who knows? Maybe Phillip Rivers has some magic in the uh, battle of the aged quarterbacks, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah, so the, the way that the tiebreakers work, um, so say they they actually were defeated by an AFC team today, the Chiefs still wouldn't have the the number one seat. So it, it goes division um, record before conference record. So it, I, I believe at least it goes division record before conference. Record. I think I think that's to win your division. Uh, I, I believe it's for it, it, it's in the tiebreaker. So it okay. It, if so, if they ended with you know, the same 15 and one or whatever, or whatever they, they end with the same, uh, which call it. And the Steelers were have to, to lost to, uh, an AFC team that wasn't in their division. Um, they would still end up winning that, that tiebreaker. But if say they lost to like the Browns, then you, ha- it goes to like either strength of schedule or strength of victory. Um, that's when it gets a little unique, <laughs> but, um, interesting. We'll, we'll kind of see what, what happens. There's a lot of different scenarios that can kind of play out the next couple of weeks. I'll be honest. I went and pulled that up on screen number two. I guess it goes – you were absolutely right, Charles. It does go you know, head-to-head first if that's applicable, but in this case it won't be. Then it's the best win-loss percentage within the division. Then it's win-loss in common games. Then it's conference. That, okay. That's really strange to me. Like I would have flipped those last two, but – yeah. Well, you know what's interesting is I've used ESPN's playoff machine, and I'll be honest, that is not the most reliable source. I've, I've learned that. It's a, it's a fun tool, but when it's not working right, you realize it's not so much fun anymore. So uh, there's that. Uh, Charles, I don't know if you noticed this, or I don't know if you saw my tweet, or Zach, if you saw me uh, post this on social media, but there are some... Uh, there are actually several franchise records that could be broken this year and maybe a couple of league-wide records. The league-wide record that for sure will be broken will be the um, receiving yards by a tight end. Uh, Travis Kelsey needs, what, I think 66 yards a game to do that. I mean, he should get that easily. Now, uh, Kelsey's also on on pace, if I have it correctly, to break the uh, record for most receptions in a season by a chief. He, he actually has the record with 103 catches, I think. Tony Gonzalez once had 102 catches. He's on pace to break that. Tyree Kill has a chance to break his record of, uh, from 2018 for most um, receiving yards, as well as most uh, touchdown catches in a season by a chief. The touchdown record is held by Dwayne Bowe. And then this one's going to be pretty close. Patrick Mahomes actually has got a shot at uh, surpassing 
the amount of touchdowns and yards he had in 2018. I think he gets the yards. I don't know about the touchdowns, um, but I will say this. I, I mean, it just shows you this football team. We haven't really talked about them, you know, being like they were before when they were the third highest scoring team in NFL history, but uh, they don't have to be the third highest scoring team to still be as dynamic as they are now, which I think is insane to think, but they're still putting up those kinds of performances. We have to consider they're without Mitchell Schwartz for most of the season. Don't have Laurent Duvernay Tardif. They don't have Kalichi Assembly. Um, they, they, or absent a lot of pieces that kind of helped get them, get them there, or were in the plan to help get them there again um, on offense. You know, Sammy Watkins was out for a good portion of the season. So I, I, I think it just, I mean, proves once again, what a great job by, by the front office to keep loading up on the offensive line with, with weapons, uh, adding these different, you know, running backs to the mix too. I, I mean, they've really just done a nice job keeping uh keeping this offense surrounded with talent yeah and honestly just being able to have it you know kind of coming out of the woodwork so to speak right. you look at some of the people who have taken snaps on that offensive line in particular i mean nick allegretti you know seventh rounder last year he's done a pretty good job minus the whole bit of course negated the awesome backflip touchdown which <laughs> well yeah you can't do that on the interior offensive line if you get called for a hold as a guard yeah you did that <laughs> You know, that's a bit of a bummer. But then the other part is, is if you look at the defense too, you know, these, you know, Michael Dana, for example, uh, you know, was absolutely crushing it. They had Taco Charlton before he got hurt. Like they find guys that you wouldn't think are going to be that impressive. And honestly, it reminds me a lot of the way that the Patriots seem to find kind of, you call it waiver wire or scrap heap talent, if you like, and they managed to make it work. Uh, and I think that that's a testament not only to the front office finding it, but really the kind of synergy between the front office and Andy Reid and the coaching staff and understanding, like, this is what we want. Let's go find it and making sure that that works really nicely. It, it's going to be interesting, I think, just to see how they manage that coming into this next year with this, like, unknown salary cap situation. Because I feel like right now there's a couple guys on the defense and even on the offense who are playing in, in a type of way where it's like, okay, maybe we should, like in a normal year, extend these guys before the season is over. But there's just so much unknown about, you know, we know what the what the floor is for the, the salary cap. We know what, what it will at a minimum be. Will it be a little bit more than that? Will will there end up being, you know, issues that, that – we can't overcome. I, I mean, internally, there are probably some things in the works that, that we don't know about quite yet, but it's just, um, it, it's going to be interesting because this next year is when we have a lot of talent that's scheduled to become free agents. Yeah, that is interesting. And, yeah. and look, it, it's it's a good position to be in. I know a lot of people get concerned. I mean, the past couple of years, the Chiefs have had that challenge of trying to retain everyone uh, when you've got such a good football team, a lot of great players and the reality is you just can't keep everybody. Uh, everyone wants to get paid because they're playing well, and that's certainly understandable. Uh, I think the biggest casualty so far has been Kendall Fuller, which, look, that certainly has hurt our, our cornerback position right now. But if Kendall Fuller is the best player you've lost in the past couple of years simply because you can't simply afford to keep everyone, you're doing things right, man. If you're Brett Veach, look at the way he's restructured some of the contracts already with uh, with Frank Clark, uh, Eric Fisher, 
I believe he, yeah, Sammy Watkins also got his uh, deal redone. Uh, and then you extended Kelsey. You re-signed Chris Jones. You extended Mahomes to that massive deal. So got to give a lot of credit to what the front office has done uh, over the past couple of years. I know a lot of people were nervous at the time when John Dorsey was let go because he was a great evaluator of talent. There's no question about it. Um, he was certainly better than Scott Pioli, which is what we expected out of him. But now you're seeing Brett Veach, and he's doing – what we expected from Scott Pioli, except even more. So it's certainly good to see the Chiefs uh, really just excel on that front with this football team because you do got to have great management. I mean, great players, great scouts, great coaches. That's that's important. Don't get me wrong, but you want to keep these guys long-term too. And you know you're going to have Kelsey Hill, Mahomes, and, and a lot of this coaching staff, at least Andy Reid, for a very long time, for sure. I do want to get into the coaching staff in a moment, but – I want to ask you about Le'Veon Bell and Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I know Clyde Edwards-Alaire uh, couldn't play yesterday. He was active, but he didn't. I don't think he got any snaps yesterday because he was uh, dealing with uh, with the flu, uh, not COVID related. So certainly no need, uh, no need to panic over that. But uh, Le'Veon Bell, I don't know uh, how much time do we need to give him. Do you feel like he's actually struggling picking up the offense? Is is it the offensive line? Zach, I'll start with you. I mean, where do you start with Le'Veon Bell right now on this team? I mean, I think he showed some really good signs last night. Uh, early on, especially. I was a little surprised to see the amount of snaps that Daryl Williams ended up getting uh, towards the end. And I think that if you look at the fact that it he, he did get the lion's share of the snaps in more you know, crunch-timey moments, if you will, leads me to believe that Andy doesn't quite have the confidence in Le'Veon Bell that maybe he'd you know, ideally like to have. And so I think that, I mean, don't be wrong, it's Andy's offense. We all know it's a fairly complex thing. Uh, I can't imagine, you know, coming in and having to figure that out that way uh, in the middle of a season, certainly. But I, I, I do feel like he's a little bit behind the eight ball in some ways. But ultimately, when we signed him, I wasn't too worried about anything that he's going to do in the regular season. You have him there and as an insurance policy in the playoffs, plain and simple. And so if he's able to get up to speed by then and able to be a factor that way, it's a little like when Frank Clark came in last year and at about this time last year, we were like, Hmm, why did we spend all this money on this guy? And then obviously through the playoffs, he was a monster. He got up to speed. He got healthy, which is another important part. Um, I think that that's a pretty good out, you know, analogy for where Le'Veon Bell currently stands. Yeah. For, for me, well, first of all, uh, with Clyde, uh, he lost some weight because of the stomach flu. So that's why Andy said he held him out. Um, I, I don't know how much of that is, is him being 100% truthful about the situation, but, but that's what he said. So got to cover for you guys. <laughs> yeah. You gotta, gotta take it at, at face value there. Um, but with, with, uh, Le'Veon Bell, he has the, the play, like what, what I call the playmaker mentality. He's always trying to like make that big play happen. We see it with, with, Travis Kelsey and Tyree Hill a lot. They catch the ball and sometimes, you know, instead of turning up field and just taking your, your one or two, three yards, they cut back and try to make a bigger play happen, end up losing a couple of yards. I feel like sometimes Le'Veon Bell, he's dancing behind the line of scrimmage, trying to do his thing. He'll end up losing two or three when he could have just, you know, plowed ahead for, to get the two on the first try. So I, I feel like as a coach, some of that might come into play in the second half when, when they went to Darrell Williams. But I also think it, it could have just been a thing to get Darrell going a little bit. I, he hasn't really, since that, that hamstring injury last year, had 
much success, I feel like, um, for, for the Chiefs. So I think, you know, get him going a little bit now instead of a two-headed rushing attack. You got three guys who can come in and do it at a moment's notice. That's going to be important if guy goes down with COVID or injury or whatnot. So um, I, I think that had something to do with it. And, you know, they, obviously they have a lot of trust in, in Darrell Williams because he's been here a while. He knows the system. He knows yeah. the protection schemes. Um, and, and that probably had something to do with it too, being that he can get in there and block because um, they're dropping back to throw a lot there in the third quarter um, to try and get back in the game. Um, so I, I feel like that had a little bit of something to do with it. And then you just kind of roll with the hot hand a little bit. I did want to ask you, Zach and I talked about this uh, quite a bit uh, last night and at halftime. What was your reaction to the whole Tyreek Hill looked like he dropped it and then on the replay he for sure got it and they didn't challenge? What was your reaction with the way that all panned out? And I know Andy Reid was asked about it uh, yesterday and today. Uh, What were your thoughts on that whole thing? Well, I tweeted like my initial reaction. I think I said, what in the world? Because it's just like the weirdest thing. You you never see something like that. I don't think it's ever happened in the history of the NFL. I, I think earlier today I wrote something. I kind of compared it to the immaculate reception, but it was kind of different in the sense. It wasn't that everyone, you know, who's watching didn't see the reception happen. It, it was just that, that Hill had no idea whether or not he caught it. You know, he's being tackled to the ground you know, face, face down, ends up rolling over and the ball just lands right in his chest. He has no idea if it hit the ground or not. I mean, all he, he saw was it. he didn't catch it. It pops up above his head and, and where, where do you go from there? So, and I think it, it does kind of fall on, on coach and on the people on the sideline, people in the, the booth to, to kind of buzz down and say, Hey, he caught that. But I mean, I can respect coach. I mean, he, he said that, that he asked Tyreek when he came to the side, Hey, did you catch that? Tyreek said, no. I mean, what's he supposed to do? And when the replay, I mean, it it came in simultaneously as they were punting it, the replay, the the angle that they needed, there was nothing you could do. I mean, you could have held the punt for about another three, maybe four seconds max before you're going to be taking a penalty um so i mean and the nfl has certain protocols they go about about how quickly they get replay in so i I really think there wasn't anything you could do to change the way that happened um obviously a little criticism to the nfl for not having a ref in place to kind of see that that catch happened but um i mean yeah again a miraculous catch who 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 could have thought who could have well I was just going to say, you know, and I get your criticism of the ref. That's why you're allowed challenges because referees sure. are going to make mistakes. Um, here's what I will say. And I know I shared the story with Zach and I'll share it with you. And for anyone listening that maybe they didn't hear it last night. So I, I think a lot of people know I used to do uh, media production for the Kansas City Royals. And I did that, did that a little bit for the Chiefs. So here's what happened once in a Royals game. Uh, there was a really close, ba- uh, close play at second base, I think. Don't remember exactly. I think our runner uh, slid into uh, slid into second base, and we were showing the replay. The opposing team uh, was the one who I, I don't remember who it was. They challenged it. So in our control room, look, we've got you know an audio director who controls the music. We've got someone operating the LED boards, the the balls and strikes, and the runs scored, and someone with the graphics, the chirons, and then the technical director who changes camera shots and uh, whatever we, you see on the board, someone who plays 
uh, the play button for the video board. And then we've got a couple of uh, replay operators. So what happened was our replay operators, they put together some clips and, you know, you got to save them, render them real fast because you want to show it on the video board while the play is being challenged. We, uh, I remember uh, they showed the play and they showed him going into second base, but everyone's thinking he's safe. And the umpires called him out and everyone's booing the hell out of these umpires. It turned out, you know, the Royal uh, upper management from the Royals, they weren't happy because it turned out the people in the uh, production, in the control room, they did not show the replay all the way through where his foot actually did, did come off the base, but the crowd at the stadium didn't know. Now, I don't know about TV. Maybe they showed different replays for those watching at home, but for those in attendance, they were confused as hell, had no idea what happened. Now, Andy Reid did say, and I think Sam Mellinger asked this today, uh, if they are relying on the, um, the broadcast feed for the replay, Andy Reid mentioned that they're relying on in-house feed. And I think he's referring to the people in the control room for the Chiefs. And I've been in that room a couple of times. And what I can tell you is they, they look at it themselves while they're, you know, slicing the clips and just trying to save them as they're watching and they'll tell their director, hey, look, uh, this is a pretty close play. We need to show it on, on the video board for a replay and whatnot. So uh, it's one of those things where, look, maybe you just needed to – and look, there's bad luck. Obviously, Tyreek had no idea, as you said. But it's just one of those things where Andy Reid said he's coached, what, 21 years, and that's never happened? Yeah. I mean, and I will say somebody from the booth, uh, the uh, coaching staff, should have should have seen that. Yeah, and um, I, I don't know. My my initial reaction on it was, I mean, we all heard about the, the COVID story uh, earlier in the morning, how Chiefs members of the Chiefs coaching staff got woken up in the middle of the night, three, three thirty in the morning uh, with with COVID. I wonder if someone was maybe not, you know, paying as close attention as they should have. I mean, obviously, you will never know. And it's inconsequential because they ended up winning the game. It'd be a whole lot different if they had lost the game. Oh yeah, um, but it, it, it's just one of those things. It's one of those weird things. You know, the Chiefs can never play in normal normal games have normal <laughs> circumstances. It's just one of those things, right? But it's, it's always been that way. Um, last thing I want to ask uh, before we uh, sign off here. Uh, so look, I mean, I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but I was kind of thinking about this the other day. Uh, a lot of people are expecting Eric Bieniemy to actually get a head coaching offer this year. They think this has to be the year after being snubbed the past two years. Um, there's also talk about Doug Peterson and Matt Nagy, both former offensive coordinators who might get let go. So I want to ask you guys, if that all happens, if, if Bieniemy moves on and if Nagy and Peterson become available. Now, personally, I think Peterson might get some head coaching offers uh, or at least some interest there. But let's just say they both happen to be available. Would you guys rather move on with someone like Mike Kafka, or would you be open to a reunion with uh, either uh, either Nagy or Peterson? Zach, I'll start with you on that one. Uh, honestly, I think I'm leaning more towards let's get some new blood in there. Uh, don't get me wrong, no disrespect to Matt Nagy or Doug Peterson. To be fair, I don't think Peterson's going to get fired. I really don't. Um, the Eagles have such a slow trigger finger when it comes to stuff like that, historically speaking. Um, I think that the whole Chip Kelly experiment kind of scared their owner a little bit. And so he'll have a little bit more, uh, yep, yeah, I guess a little bit more patience, I think, than uh, maybe his fan base would, uh, to be fair. If it was up to their fans, I think they'd fire a coach every year. Uh, 
As for Matt Nagy, <laughs> I mean, it's hard to know how much is him and how much is just the team around him. I mean, I, to be fair, I don't watch those games closely enough to have a really intelligent opinion here. But as far as I'm concerned, I don't think – I mean, don't be wrong. I think either of those guys would be chomping at the bit to have the opportunity to come in and be the OC for the Chiefs and work with Mahomes because, duh. <laughs> um, but ultimately, I think that we'd be better served just moving on, on to the next one, keep building up that you know, pipeline of coaches that Andy Reid has been so good at building historically. I mean, heck, the offense that was given us fits yesterday was one of his old uh, lieutenants in Pat Shermer. So – I think that there's plenty of plenty of uh, good talent that, and Andy has a knack for identifying it. That I don't think we need to retread anybody. But that said, if Andy chooses to, I know there will be a darn good reason for it. So I guess it's a long-winded way of saying, and Andy, I trust. I'm cool either way. What do you think, Charles? Yeah, I think uh, they they would promote Kafka. Uh, I, I think this last year he had uh, an opportunity actually with with the Eagles, and he didn't. He ended up signing an extension here instead. Um, and I think, you know, unsaid within that extension was, Hey, you're the next guy. When, when the enemy's out of here, you're going to get an opportunity to become an OC and then probably one day a head coach. So, um, I, I think that, that you would promote Kafka and then, you know, if Nagy or, um, or, or even Peterson become available and wanted to join the staff in a different capacity, that would probably be something that maybe, Andy would would explore um but I also think they've done a really good job of kind of identifying guys who who fit who they can bring in uh who, who fit their culture I mean, you look at uh the running back coach uh brought him in from from USC and he's been lights out for for the Chiefs so um I I think that that they'll have a pipeline available and people will want to obviously come and work here work with the offense um, and they'll have really just their, their pick of the litter when it comes to creative offensive minds. Uh, if they're looking for a new quarterback coach, um, someone to work with Pat, uh, Patrick, and, and uh, the rest of the offense. Last now, thing follow before, up question oh, on that. Uh-huh. Sorry, you're just saying Biennemi is going to get a head coaching gig. Which one do you think he gets? Um, you know, I, I, I think it's, it's entirely going to depend. The thing with, with Biennemi, I feel like he's going to need like a full package sort of thing where, where he's left control um, and, and not necessarily in terms of the front office, but you know, he's going to make some, some probably of the personnel decisions in, in coordination with the front office in a similar way that they've got things going on with Kansas city. I think he's going to want to do things his way. Cause that's just the way, way he is and finding the right fit in terms of, of, of ownership for that is going to be interesting. And I don't know that it's out there right now, to be honest. Um, but maybe it is, you know, maybe it's, it's a team like, like Detroit that was just so fed up and, and yeah, maybe, maybe that is a spot that they go to. I mean, Matt Stafford, he does a lot of the things that, that, uh, that Pat has kind of been, been doing the no look passes. He can throw from different platforms. If you get some talent around him, uh, you might not need to to go out there hunting for a quarterback, and um, but but I mean there are obviously you know some other appealing options. Used to Texans, um, but again I think that 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 coordination between BNME and ownership they need to be on the right page for for something to happen. See, I was going to go with Houston because, and I know Chiefs fans don't like to hear that because it's an AFC team, but 
I think Houston and the enemy, they're a perfect match for each other. Now, I don't know how interested they are in Romeo Cornell because he is doing a pretty good job this year taking over the, for the team. But, you know, you look at the enemy, if he goes there and works with Deshaun Watson, he and Patrick Mahomes have a lot of similarities. And I know it's so easy to talk about those two in the same breath because they were in the same draft class, but they really do have similar skill sets. And what the enemy is doing with Mahomes right now, you could probably do a lot of that stuff in Houston with Deshaun Watson. So I think, I mean, that's the perfect marriage right there, in my opinion. I think that's where he goes. In terms of talent and, you know, players and whatnot, I, I think it's great. I, I just I question whether or not ownership will be will be on board with uh, his style, stuff like that. I don't, I don't know that it's a, a fit from that standpoint, but we'll see. Uh, it's going to be interesting too, because all the the interviews and stuff that'll take place are going to be virtual, uh, at least at first. That that's an interesting oh, setting. Is, I didn't think about that. Yeah, that, that's an interesting setting. You know, uh, it might actually benefit the enemy in some ways. I think he he comes off uh, a little strong willed uh, in person. Can be a little intimidating. Um, so I'll take uh, your I, word for it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. Um, no, but I mean, he's a great, great, great person, a great leader of men. And whoever ends up getting him, they're going to be really happy with the decision they made. Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, there, there's a lot of people who are proponents of him getting a head coaching job to the point where I think that someone, even if they're a little hesitant, might, might bite this year. Zach, where do you think he goes? My gut was saying Houston first as well, just because of the Deshaun Watson connection, but you make a really good point there, Charles, that I hadn't considered leading up to that, uh, which is, you know, where ownership lands on any of this. Um, and so honestly, I, I could see Detroit maybe doing it. Who knows? Maybe Chicago will do it too, uh, depending on where things shake out or don't up there. Um, honestly, I think that the GM's got to go there before the coach goes, but that's my personal two cents. Honestly, I could see the Atlanta Falcons taking a jump uh, because I mean, they've shown historically to have, you know, provide their coaches with a pretty long leash. Um, and so could be interesting to see how things would fit down there. I mean, it, he'd have a full rebuild on his hands, to be fair. He, some great pieces in place, but I mean, Matt Ryan's not getting any younger, let's be honest here. Uh, so I don't know. It could be interesting to see. I mean, but I, I think that Houston still makes the most logical sense on paper, minus the ownership piece. You know, and a, a lot of people are are looking at just Eric Bieniemy as the only piece that that might leave. I, I've heard um, Dave Taub's name mentioned in terms of coaching, and then in the front office, you've got Mike Still? Borgonzi. Oh yeah, absolutely. You got Mike Borgonzi. You've got Ryan Poles, uh, the assistant player personnel director. You've got Tim Terry, pro personnel director. All these guys are, you know, they're getting their names floated this year. And, uh, you know, I think people were expecting kind of a mass exodus after they won the Super Bowl. That didn't happen. I think that this year there's a lot more opportunities out there in both the front offices and the, the coaching world that I, I think we could see a lot of change heading into the 2021 season. You know, it's interesting, and I can't remember who put this rumor out, but I guess John Dorsey is getting some, he's drawing some interest for another general manager job, which kind of a surprise considering he had that very short stint in Cleveland for a GM. Uh, but there's a lot of talk that he might target the enemy or uh, Tobe for a head coaching job. So yeah, it's interesting. You mentioned Dave Tobe because 
you know, when you got a guy like John Dorsey, obviously, you know, it's, it, it's natural to go to your connection. So oh, certainly it's going to be very interesting, especially if he gets a uh, head coaching gig or excuse me, a GM gig somewhere. And he tries to target either uh, one of those coordinators that the chiefs have. Uh, hey, real, oh, you one more thing. We, we talked about the defense being, you know, what sixth and uh, <laughs> something or other there. I mean, if they keep performing the way they have, um, you could hear Spagnuolo get another chance too. I mean, he was formerly head coach of the, the St. Louis Rams back then when they were in yeah. St. Louis. So. Yeah, but we saw how that went. Like, no disrespect. Like, okay. Spags is a great coach. And, like, don't worry, I would totally – I honestly believe in the retread who has had a while to learn or, like, kind of go back and, you know, learn from those mistakes. I actually do believe that there's some opportunity there, but – how do you sell that to your fan base? I think that's the reason you don't see more of it happen. Well, and here's here's I, I, how I you sell it though. Interested. Yeah. Well, look look at Josh McDaniels. Fair. I mean, no, the Denver experiment was awful, but he's done a great job as a coordinator. If I'm not mistaken, I think um, I think Spags is the only coordinator in NFL history to win a Super Bowl with two different teams as a defensive coordinator or offensive coordinator, even. Yeah, yeah, he is. So okay, so yeah, there. Uh, I remember seeing that in the off season, but wasn't sure if that was confirmed or not. So I think that's one selling point you could use with Spagnolo. Yeah, and, and like I said, who knows if he's even interested because he's got a great thing. You know, who wants to to go and, and coach against a guy like Patrick Mahomes when you can, you know, coach coach a defense up to help him out? You know, so that's I, real uh, true. <laughs> I, I I think that you know, uh, it, and. If he's got the the good thing going on, maybe you know, maybe that's good enough for him. Maybe he doesn't want that opportunity so soon. Um, but I think it's just it, it it's all going to depend on how the season shakes out too. Are they going to feel like you know are they going to go back to back? Are they going to feel like they have unfinished business together to get through to go and try to win another one? Um, that that can play into things as well. So before we let you go, uh, I just want you to take a moment, talk about the Chiefs Wire. Uh, for those who maybe have never heard of it before, what can you expect? And do you guys have anything interesting, any interesting stories or projects that are coming up on the Chiefs Wire? Yeah, man. We're always up to a little something crazy. Uh, the Chiefs Wire, uh, USA Today Sports Media Group's wire site covering the Kansas City Chiefs. I've been the managing editor since, gosh, 2016, 2017. It's been a while now. All the years blend together. Uh, but <laughs> Especially can, during this pandemic. Right, right, right. Uh, you can check us out at uh, chiefswire.usatoday.com. Um, we'll, we'll have some interesting stuff coming up. I think we are we might have an exclusive interview coming in the next couple of weeks, which will be kind of cool, uh, with a player on the Chiefs practice squad that everyone really enjoys. So we'll teaser there. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, no, I mean uh, – we're, we're always trying to find some cool facts and some good information to, to share uh, with Chiefs Wire, uh, Chiefs Wire readers. Um, we have our, our weekly podcast that comes out every Thursday morning. Chiefs Wire podcast is hosted by uh, Ed Easton Jr., um, Talon Graff, and uh, Mitch Carney. And uh, I hop on, do a little, little segment each week. But um, yeah, I mean, we... We have some things in the works. I, I don't want to like tease all of it quite yet, but uh, you know, uh, you guys definitely should check us out as the uh, season continues and um, yeah, see what happens. We will uh, you can follow us on Twitter at the Chiefs Wire, Facebook.com/slash the Chiefs Wire. Obviously, website already 
let you know about that. But uh, and you can follow me at GoldMCTNFL on Twitter. I, I try to tweet sometimes. I'm not as active on there as I used to be, but uh, I, I try to tweet a lot of Chief stuff as much as I can. So, all right, it's good, good stuff. <laughs> kind good of good stuff. stuff. <laughs> In keeping with that, though, I mean, I was reading your piece earlier today about the Dolphins. Uh, all right. What do you think happens out on Sunday? Uh, yeah, you know, I, so, okay, let, let me give you a little prediction of, of what I feel like is going to happen transpire in the next, uh, couple, next couple here. Um, I feel like we're, we're going to get a win against the dolphins, but I can't help, but shake this feeling that one of these NFC South teams is going to get the best of us, whether it's the saints or even the Atlanta Falcons who are playing better as of late, uh, but I, I've, they did rock the Raiders pretty good to right. rock yeah. us. So <laughs> I, I've I felt all along that um, the Steelers were were not infallible that they could be beaten, and um, I, I really uh, feel like um, I, I really feel like the, the Steelers are going to drop one at some point, whether it be against Cleveland, whether it be against um, you know one of these other teams, maybe the Bills get gets one over on them i mean that that indie defense is really tough and roethlisberger didn't exactly do great against another tough defense tonight so maybe it's indie um but you know that that one it's going to be the battle of the forsaken arms <laughs> with with uh with philip rivers and and uh and roethlisberger over there trying to have a throw off that one's going to be tough to watch um but I feel like it's going to come down to, you know, like a 14-2 tie for these two teams at the top of the AFC. And uh, it's going to come down to some funky tiebreaker. And, you know, the way things happened last year with the, the Dolphins pulling one out, I, I feel like magically that tiebreaker is going to end up favoring the Chiefs. They just got the mojo going right now. So that, that that's what I'm feeling. That's what I'm predicting. And uh, we'll, we'll see if it comes to fruition. All right, check him out over at the Chiefs Wire. Good stuff on social media and on his website. Uh, Charles, I appreciate you coming on. I'm sure we'll talk to you again. Zach, I appreciate you coming back on again. I'm sure uh, you'll be back on the podcast in a couple of weeks. Uh, Definitely we'll be keeping in touch with both of you guys. Uh, Until then, stay safe. Have a good night. And I appreciate those of us, or excuse me, those of you guys who joined us on Facebook Live. We'll do this again in the future. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, man. Alrighty, good stuff from Zach and Charles. Got to give a big thanks to those guys for joining me and also helping me out for the first time, allowing me to do that on uh, Facebook, uh, Facebook Live. So I had a lot of fun doing that with those guys and a big thanks to those who did listen live and interacted with us on there. Uh, Definitely appreciate those who did that. Uh, So a big thanks to all of you guys, whether you listen live or you listen to the podcast version. Got to give thanks to everybody for doing that. Again, uh, Kind of, kind of going on a on a little basis here, trying to figure out, you know, how how are things trial and error for now. So we'll we'll, we'll try it again with another guest. It's not all going to be Chiefs related, as you guys know. So uh, we'll see what happens in the future if people still like it. We'll keep doing it. If not, then uh, we'll see um, if we'll make adjustments or if we'll just pre-record these. So uh, it's up to you guys. Ultimately, you guys get to be the uh, ultimate jury on all of that.
Once again, thanks to Zach Segna and Charles Goldman for joining me here on Farscast. Got a big thanks to you guys for listening to the podcast. Subscribe to the podcast, share the links, follow me on social media, interact with me on there, follow my horrible takes on social media. I'm on Facebook and on Twitter. So appreciate you guys for following me and interacting with me on there. Again, hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Farscast. I will talk to you guys next week. Stay safe.